Welcome to Whiskey and Wonder. All right, everybody. It's been two long weeks since you've heard Whiskey and Wonder. And if you're watching on YouTube, you will notice something different today. Uh, if you're just listening, it is just me today. Megan is unfortunately not here. I'll get into that in just a little bit. But since it's been two weeks without an episode, I wanted to get something out for you guys. Um, Megan uh, sends her love and I will read her message here shortly. So on that note, we're just going to jump right into the announcements and what we do here. Um, we're Whiskey and Wonder. We drink whiskey and we wonder. Uh, and since I'm alone today, I'm not, I am going to do a new whiskey because you guys haven't had anything for two weeks. Um, Megan will just have to have this one off air and give me her rating privately. And maybe she can update us on a future episode, maybe next week uh, or something if we're able to go. So to make a long story short, before I get into the announcements, I guess, um, Megan was supposed to record an episode over my vacation when I was gone. Um, she was not able to do that because as I think she's mentioned on here, she lives with, uh, her in-laws and essentially from what I gathered, somebody in the house got COVID. Um, it's been spreading around the house. Fortunately, Megan and Houston have are the only people in the house who have not gotten it. Apparently, they're taking every precaution and have been tested multiple times. But they don't have COVID, but they have the chance of... <coughs> excuse me. They've had the chance of spreading it. So we decided it was best not to have Megan here tonight. Um, that's why she didn't come over while I was on vacation and record an episode just to keep everything kosher and try to keep me safe from COVID and keep, keep us from spreading it. With all that being said though, Megan and I have been texting. We've talked a little bit and she said to sit, to tell everybody that she loves them and she misses, misses us all. And She'll see us all next week or hopefully talk to us next week. Next time. Uh, <laughs> she said, they'll listen to me next week. So hopefully we have Megan back next week. I have my fingers crossed that we will. Um, the reason we are not doing it virtually is because we had too many issues technologically with that last time we did it. And so we thought it would just be best to do me. So, uh, and we have talked about this uh, off air. I'll go ahead and reveal this. If it comes up where one of us can't record an episode, uh, I think the other one is probably going to record an episode, even if it is Megan, mm, excuse me, streaming from her house with her gaming headset. It is... I'm sorry, I said streaming, but recording. So it is something that we could do. Um, so if I'm out of town, she can record. And if she's out of town or we can't be here for whatever reason, we can still get you guys something out there. Um, I will go ahead and tell you, it was my turn to research, but this one's probably not going to be super long since there's nobody else here to bounce things off of. But 
with all that said, Megan is doing well. I spoke with her. She again, you know, she's hopeful to be back next week. So we're gonna move on from that. And you're just stuck with me. I'm sorry. Uh, for YouTube, I just went ahead and switched it into me only view. So that's what you get. As far as other announcements, we've got some big ones. Uh, number one, the poll closed on December 12th. And that is one week week ago from today. We I got Shelby here to look today. Uh, she went through my whiskey cabinet and established that we have the majority of the whiskeys that were the top eight. Um, we're having, <laughs> we've run into one slight problem and that is sometimes Megan takes whiskeys home. And so now we need to figure out if Megan has the whiskeys at her house without asking Megan. So I guess Shelby's going to get with Houston and try to figure that out. And then we have to get the whiskeys back here without Megan knowing what they are. So anyway, we're working on that. We are going to have it. Um, my plan is to have it next week instead of having a regular episode because that'll be the last episode of the year. But with Megan's situation right now, it's up in the air. So it may be two weeks, but I'm hoping that we could do it uh, on the, that would put us doing it on the 26th. Um, just because I have time off from work the next few days and I don't after the second. So, um, as always, you can check out our store. We've still got glasses. We got a couple stickers. I see two laying here. I don't know if Megan has any more at her, her house or not. Um, the shipping is still screwed up on the stickers. So email us if you want one. And we can just mail you one in an envelope or something. Otherwise, it's going to charge you like $10 for shipping. And finally, we're still working out the kinks and all this, but I am going to go ahead and reveal this is something Megan and I have talked about as well. Since this is one of the last episodes of 2021, we finally almost made it. Hopefully, 2022 is better. Um, we normally release our episodes late Sunday night so that people can see them Monday morning. In 2022, we are going to begin releasing the episodes on either Wednesday or Thursdays. Uh, the reason for doing this is that we're going to create a tier in Patreon or on the website where if you subscribe to this tier and it'll cost, I don't know, a couple bucks a month, basically, uh, you will get the podcast at the same time. You will get. You'll be able to get it early. Um, so, so if you subscribe, you'll be able to get the podcast Sunday night, Monday morning, whenever you prefer to listen to it. Otherwise, if you don't subscribe, you'll have to wait until it comes out on Thursday, Wednesday, or Thursday, whatever we choose to go with there. And like I said, it's not going to be something where it's. $50 or anything like that. It's probably going to be a couple bucks. It just helps us grow and helps us get things. We, we want to get some merchandise out to you guys. We want to get some t-shirts and some stuff like that. So it'll just help us fund that, get more whiskeys. 
and you know just kind of grow the podcast so um other than that i think that's all of the announcements you can find us uh as always uh whiskeywonder.com we've got our store there you can contact us there's uh we're i'm i'm putting a fair amount of time into the website at the moment and i plan to uh in my time off over christmas when i'm not forced to be with my family <laughs> um you can find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash whiskey and wonder. I'm pretty sure that's where we're going to put the uh, early access for episodes. It'll be, it'll be a tier on Patreon. Check us out on YouTube. Just search whiskey and wonder, or you can check out our channel link in the description. You can find us on Instagram, which reminds me, I need to take a picture of this whiskey. We've gotten away from doing that. We've been really shitty at that and I'm going to do it today. I'm going to get us back on track. And if you wanted to contact us, you can email us at contact at whiskeyandwonder.com. Uh, there's a bunch of other stuff you can check us out on in the show notes. Um, so all that's there. And I just want to say thanks to everybody that does support us, that does send us a donation or is subscribed to our Patreon already. Um, it's people like y'all that keep us going and keep this happening. And it, it you know truthfully i'm recording this for you guys tonight um not just the people that donate but the people that support us and like us subscribe all that all that stuff goes a long way um you know i'm i'm recording this for you guys even though it's only half of whiskey and wonder you know still want to get y'all something because we know you love us and we love you and you know felt like you guys deserve that so um i guess on that note Again, thanks for the donations. <coughs> Excuse me, and for all the support. I know I keep coughing. I'm trying, trying hard. It's it's rough when you're solo to to not have the awkward pauses and the coughings and whatnot. So, but anyway, on that note, we're gonna move on. I'll we'll go to the open segment. The open segment. All right. Well, so as you guys know, <clears throat> I just got back. I've been on vacation. That's why we haven't had any episodes. Um, vacation was really fun. Had a lot, a lot of fun in Vegas. A lot of fun. I I just had fun everywhere. Um, I mentioned the cough just a minute ago. So uh, I got a cold about a month ago, maybe a month and a half ago. And it it put me on my ass for a couple, about two or three days. Um, and I, I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was the plane ride or what the change in weather, but I caught another cold, uh, while we were on vacation. So we went to Vegas, we stayed in Vegas, Shelby and I for, I don't know. It was like four or five days. Um, we had a good time there. I lost some money gambling. I guess I paid for a gambling lesson since I had never gambled before, but I had a good time doing it. Um, then after Vegas, we rented a car and we drove to LA for a day. Basically, uh, we got in one night, spent the night, stayed a day in LA, spent the night and then got up and went to Shelby's parents' house, um, in the middle of California. And I had an absolute blast. 
out there as well. Um, just to give you some of the highlights of what happened on the trip, I ended up, I couldn't get off East coast time sleep wise. So I kept waking up at three 15 in the morning in Vegas. <laughs> and truth, truth be told, Shelby and I were the oldest people um, because we were legitimately in bed by like nine o'clock every night, <laughs> their time in Vegas of all places. Um, but it was nice because we got to get up early in the morning um, and see Vegas without a lot of people. We got to uh, walk the entire strip essentially one morning. I So make a long story short, I kept uh, kept waking Shelby up because I would wake up early and she's nice enough to She's nice enough to wake up with me sometimes and I could tell she was tired and she was starting to acclimate and was getting frustrated. So one day I finally forced myself to sleep until about six, six fifteen after I woke up at three. Um, and I just, about that time I said, I I can't just do this anymore. I can't just lay here for a couple hours. So I got up, put some clothes on and, told her, I was like, Hey, I'm just going to go find a cheap blackjack game or something. And I'll, you know, whenever you get up, just text me, sleep in, enjoy, enjoy your morning. And so (laughs) I, where we were staying was very close to the Southern end. We were maybe like four blocks from the Southern part of the uh, strip. And, um, I Googled a casino that had cheap blackjack and it Google said it was like two and a half miles away. So I'm like, ah, it's fine. I can walk two and a half miles. I'm not that, you know, that's not that bad. And lo and behold, I start walking and I realize uh, the casino it was taking me to was literally, we had seen it driving the day before. Uh, and I was like, oh my God, that is like five miles away. That's not two and a half. And so I actually, I looked again and it was like 4.6 miles away. I was like, all right, well, I'm already halfway there. I might as well, you know, I might as well keep going. So I ended up walking the entire 4.6 miles to the Strat, which is a very, very tall casino in Vegas. Um, and I, of course, about the time I get there, Shelby's texting me like, I'm up. Where you at? Blah, blah, blah. So I tell her and she Ubers down and joins me. We gamble for a little bit and have, have a little bit of fun. Um, and then we proceed. There was I saw a couple of places I wanted to hit on the way back, we were going to Uber back, but one of the places was fairly close, you know, maybe a half mile walk. So we, we walked there and then she says, uh, that there were a couple places she saw, she wanted to hit on her Uber ride over. So, and they were about another half to three quarters of a mile down. So we walked to them and long story short, we just ended up walking all the way back to our hotel. So I ended up walking 11 and a half miles total that day. Um, and that was, that was the day before we left Vegas. So we ended up, I got a rest day in between all the walking. Um, and that was the very first day I started having any symptoms. Uh, for first thing I had was a, a sore throat. Uh, the next day we got a car and drove to LA that evening. And then the next, uh, the only full day we spent in LA, it was, it was so full of stuff that it just, it, it seemed, it truthfully seemed like I got three vacations in one, which is awesome. But while we were at LA, we did uh, universal Hollywood, which was kind of truthfully underwhelming. Um, both Shelby and I agreed on that. 
I think she was more underwhelmed than I was. But anyway, the studio tour was really cool. Everything else was a letdown. Even the Harry Potter world, it was honestly pretty small. Butterbeers were good. Um, so, yeah, we did Universal. Then we left Universal. I was feeling like crap. That was the worst day of being sick for me. So we left Universal about 2, drove to the Pacific Ocean, and walked down, put my finger in this Pacific Ocean so I could say that I've touched both oceans. It was freezing cold, which is why I only put my finger in. Um, and then we kind of sat there. It was almost sunset, so we sat there near the Santa Monica Pier and watched the sunset. And You know, I could also say I've watched, seen the sun rise over the Atlantic and set over the Pacific. Um, and then we proceeded down Santa Monica Boulevard all the way back almost to our hotel in Burbank and just kind of dude and odd and looked and, you know, saw it. I would like to go back and spend more time there, but it was, it was a good taste of LA. And then the next morning we got up, got breakfast and drove on to her parents' house and we did uh, a couple days there did a lot of drinking with her dad and her brother and I guess her mom and, and uh, sister-in-laws and whatnot were drinking as well. Um, but I was specifically drinking with her dad and her brother mainly. Um, they've got a lovely family. Uh, I know you guys listen. Your family is quite adorable. I'm excited to come back. And I hear there's something about uh, Christmas and the Sequoias happening. So you, you let me know on that. Um, count me in. Anyway, um, yeah, we had a great time and I honestly started dreading leaving about three days before we were supposed to leave. Um, I just, I was having such a good time and I didn't want to, didn't want to leave frankly. And so Papa, Papa Manning, Mama Manning, you guys throw, uh, you guys are hell of a host and throw a hell of a Christmas. So I'm excited to come back for any holidays. I'm excited to see you guys in February in Hawaii too. I know I'm rambling guys, but I don't have anybody to break up the monotony here. So, um, finally on our last day, we left fairly early ish considering we had a flight at 12 45 ish in the morning. Um, we ended up leaving about 10 in the morning and drove back to Vegas and ended up in the middle of a snowstorm in the California mountains, which we barely beat. We, it was almost a whiteout when we were driving over it, but, uh, we made it. And I, more importantly, I got my magnets from both state uh, for anybody that doesn't know. I, I collect magnets in the, the state magnet, but ideally I like to get it in the state while we're there. So, we just, uh, yeah, we hung out at the airport. We kind of drove around Vegas. We got back to Vegas right about dark. And then we drove around Vegas until time to go to the airport. Just not really doing anything. Just kind of driving around and seeing what it looked like away from the strip and getting a little something to eat. Just kind of about this time, Shelby was starting to catch the cold that I had. Um, which it, it hit her a lot harder than it hit me because I guess I had already had it once. So, but suffice to say, we made our plight, made it back. 
I got to watch the, I didn't sleep on the plane except for about 45 minutes to an hour. So I got to watch the sunrise and I never knew it, but the first color that appears is blood red. So fun fact, that's not, you know, your weekly Tyler nugget. But anyway, um, made it back and I guess by only sleeping an hour on the plane, it kind of reset my East coast, reset me to East coast time because I've been perfectly, I have had no jet lag or anything like that. So, um, but with that being said, I guess that's enough about my vacation. I've just kind of rambled on here in the open segment. I wish I had a partner to discuss it with, but I'll have her back next week. So we're going to move on now. Opening the bottle. I'll tell you one other thing about not having Megan means I have to do all the stuff she normally does, which means looking up all the, uh, all the, um, whiskey stuff. So what I'm opening today, and yes, I am opening a bottle without Megan. Uh, you guys just haven't had any content, so I'm, I'm going to give you some, um, we've got angels envy finished rye, which is a rye whiskey that is finished in Caribbean rum casks. This is, was a gift, uh, that Shelby's brother, Justin gave me for Christmas. Um, and I, I, I've heard great things about Angel's Envy, uh, specifically the bourbon. I've never, I honestly, I didn't even know they made a rye, but I'm excited to try this and I will make sure Megan tries it, uh, off air. Or maybe if we do the, um, blind taste test next week, the end of year special, maybe we can get her to try it on the show next week. So Angel's Envy, <clears throat> is an interesting distillery from what I could gather online. Apparently it's three generations of men in one family have, have kind of started this distillery. Um, I'm not sure what their last names are, but uh, Lincoln and his son, Wes uh, collaborated to create angels envy Uh trying to make a bourbon finished in port barrels. Um, essentially, uh, Lincoln had been sitting on that idea for years and didn't have the chance to explore it. And uh, before he knew it, it was Lincoln, Wes, and Wes's son, Kyle, uh, eventually joined in to help, you know, market the brand Angel's Envy and and all three of these men, you know, are are essential and own this business, or maybe not own, but are essential to this business. Um, there's over 200 years of bourbon heritage, and they create hand finished spirit spirits that aren't afraid to improve upon the classic tradition. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, Lee Lincoln Henderson. Why is it hard for me to say Lincoln? Lincoln Henderson's. That's their names. Lifetime spent crafting fine spirits. Angel's Envy is our masterpiece. The 5% of spirit lost each year during barrel aging is called the, quote, Angel's Share. After tasting our finished whiskey, Lincoln joked that we'd finally gotten a better deal than the Angel's. And so Angel's Envy was born. So that's a little bit about the distillery there. Um... <clears throat> 
As for this whiskey, it is a lovely color. I don't know if you guys can see it. It's very amber, got a good reddish, reddish finish to it. I'm going to go ahead and pour myself. Normally, I would have poured while Megan was reading you guys all that. I can smell it from here. That's how aromatic it is. And uh, let me just say, y'all, it smells delicious. It doesn't. I, I would never have any idea this was a rye just from what I've smelled so far. So please forgive the uh, pause here for a minute while I sniff. But, you know, how else am I going to sniff and talk at the same time? Holy crap. Um, so, oh, Megan, you're missing a good one. I'm sure you're going to listen to this. <laughs> Holy crap. That is overwhelmingly sweet for a rye. I, honestly, it's sweet for a bourbon, which makes sense if it's aged in rum casks. Very going to be very sweet. I definitely get molasses, vanilla, that it, that's the sweetness. It overpowers. <coughs> it smells like I just stuck my nose right over a jar of molasses. That's the first thing I noticed. I get a little bit of that dilly rye smell, but I also get mint. It's like a it's a spicy rye, but it's it's not as overwhelming and not as um dilly as. Some of the other rides we've done, it's definitely there, but the mint, I would say it's a 50-50 split, excuse me, between mint and dill. So, mm, it, it's got just a very faint amount of burning nose hairs, not, not too much. So... According to the Angels Envy website, the nose is uh, aromas of citrus. I never, I, I never seem to get citrus in any of these. I, I just don't get citrus out of that. And in fairness, I'm still my nose is a little runny, and you know I'm still quote unquote recovering from that cold, but. Uh, aromas of citrus, caramel candy, maple sugar, vanilla, oak, hazelnut, spice, and sherry wood. And that's sherry with an S-H-E, not cherry as in the fruit. Um, I definitely get maple sugar, vanilla, <clears throat> and maybe a little bit of caramel. I don't know. Yeah, I can get some caramel or butterscotch in there. Um, I do get the spice. Again, like I said, it's more of a mint and a little bit of dill. But uh, on that note, <coughs> maybe this will knock the cough out. It's time to take a sip. I forgot to mention one thing about the vacation that this just made me think of. Oh my Lord. I, we found a free whiskey tasting in Vegas at this place called, um, spirits and spice. And I'm going to give them free advertising because 
The gentleman was incredible. Matter of fact, I'm going to give him specifically a shout out once I pull up his business card. <clears throat> Excuse me. I keep wanting to cough, damn it. Uh, what was his name? I can't find it. Um, anyway, I'm pretty sure it was Bear. Bear Guthrie, I think was his name. Check it out. Check out Spirits and Spice. I actually... <sighs> Uh, he, he had us try about four different types of whiskeys. Um, and the guy knew, um, a hundred times more than I know about whiskey. And I, I don't know a shit ton. I'll be the first one to tell you that. Um, but I feel like I know more than your average Joe. This guy knew it. He knew it in and out. (laughs) He was showing me his personal collection and then his real personal collection that he doesn't let people he doesn't even drink some of them. Um, he knew his stuff. So if you're in Vegas and you want a great experience, go to uh, Spirit and Spice. I always want to say sugar and spice. It's Spirit and Spice uh, and do the free whiskey tasting. It is 100% worth it. I'll put it this way. He even, and Megan's going to kill me. Um, I We went through couple two different scotches a bourbon and i believe it was an irish whiskey um that he had us try and he was nice enough to let me try a fifth um and i ended up bringing back not bringing back i bought a bottle of the it was one of the scotches uh, I, I couldn't. I couldn't even tell you. All the all the labels are handwritten, and this is very specialty single barrel stuff that you can get in this store. Um, I should have mentioned that earlier. But anyway, uh, so I bought the whiskey. Essentially, the scotches were in terms of peatiness. There was the low peat, mid peat, and a very high peat. And this guy, this stuff was so good. I ended up. You guys know how I feel about most peaty scotches. I don't like them. Uh, I ended up taking a small bottle, fairly small, like a 375 mil bottle of the mid peaty scotch. Uh, I took it with me. I ended up sharing most of it with Shelby's family. (laughs) And then I proceeded to share it with some other folks that I have that I like to share whiskey with. And unfortunately just it being a small bottle, it got drunk up. So that's one that, won't make it to the actual podcast, but it was good. Anyway, um, so I tasted this, and the one thing that was really noticeable is how um, it's got a heck of a kick to it that lingers for a while. Um, it it kind of like goes away and then comes back. It's very sweet. I'm going to have to take another sip to remember what all it tasted like. Oh, I do remember why that that entire story came to mind. So apparently the way you're supposed to, the proper way is to uh, to taste a whiskey is to bring the glass to your nose, breathe in, pull it away from your nose, exhale. I don't know how I can make it so you guys can hear that. Bring it back to your nose, inhale. Take it back away from your nose and exhale. Bring it back to your nose one more time and sip.
very, very sweet. Got a little bit of, uh, hmm. I get that. I get the mint. It wasn't as overwhelming this time. Um, but that mint does linger. It's still, it, it, it tastes like I've got like, uh, um, what was the, what was that gum? The Wrigley gum that was blue. Is that winter green? I think it was winter green. Um, it kind of is like that kind of mint flavor. Very sweet on the, on the front end. It's, and then as it, like the mid notes, it goes to like a fruit and wood and you know, the nose, it said sherry wood. So I'm assuming that's what. That's what you're supposed to be tasting there. Huh. My dad's calling. Sorry. I'll have to call you back later. Um, with that, you know, and, and the mint. So basically the, the sweetness, the sherry wood and the mint is what I taste. Um, according to this website, what we're supposed to taste is sweet rum, sherry wood and soft oak. Um, so I would say that's I uh, was semi accurate. Um it says the finish is both sweet and dry as well as quick and easy. I I would disagree with that quick and easy. I think it kind of lingers for a good little while. But I guess we'll uh see what uh see what I think of this as I go through and present to you guys today. It's a shorter topic and it'll definitely be shorter since Megan's not here, so We'll jump on in. It's time for the wonder segment. All right. All right. Let's jump into this. Man, there's so much to do without having somebody else here. I did not realize how how much freedom Megan gives me when she talks to, to do things. Um, all right. So being out on the West coast recently for the first time, I was able to compare a lot of things to the East coast where, you know, if you're a long time listener, I've lived my whole life, uh, the scenery, the people, the traffic, the food, all I can say is just, wow, uh, what a difference, you know? And one of the key differences that I noticed because it hurt me almost physically every time uh, was the price of a gallon of gas. Every time I had to fill up a car, it didn't help that we had a, our rental was an expedition, but it was easily a dollar more than what I'm used to. And in some places it was almost two. So naturally this got me thinking about what controls the price of gas here on the East coast and out West. Um, so today we're going to look at some of the factors that go into controlling the price of gas so that maybe it'll help us all understand why we're frustrated when we're filling up after spiking prices, kind of like I was out in California. Oh, excuse me. With that being said, there are many factors that go into determining the price of gas, and I am going to touch on several of those here. But the main one I chose to focus on is OPEC. So let's start at the beginning of the process. 
Naturally, I've got to sneak a little bit of geology in here on you guys. Gasoline. What is it? Excuse me. My nose is running. I'm so sorry, guys. Um, Gas is a highly volatile mixture of fluid hydrocarbons obtained mostly from petroleum, as also by the distillation of bituminous coal. It is used as a fuel for most automobiles and for many other vehicles with internal combustion engines. We've all used gas or petroleum in some form in our lives, whether we know it or not. The above definition mentions the gas comes from petroleum, so what's petroleum? Petroleum is a thick, flammable, yellow-to-black mixture of gaseous liquid, gaseous liquid and solid hydrocarbons that occur naturally beneath the Earth's surface that can be separated into fractions according to natural gas, gasoline, napatha, kerosene, fuel and lubricating oils, paraffin wax, and asphalt, and is used as a raw material for a wide variety of derivative products. So basically, gas is a derivative of petroleum, which is found beneath Earth's surface. I think we all pretty much knew that. But what caused the petroleum to form below Earth's surface? Where did it come from? How did it get there? And I'm sure plenty of you guys out there have heard it called a fossil fuel. And I have met actual people that think it comes from dead dinosaurs, the decomposition of dead dinosaurs. If you're one of those people, I'm going to explain to you exactly how, it, how fossil fuels come to be. Uh, in a way that's sort of true, or in a way that is sort of true, except it forms from ancient plants, algae, and plankton, not dinosaurs. There might be a few dinosaurs that mixed in over time, but it's mainly the other stuff. So millions of years ago, in ancient oceans and shallow seas, the life cycles of plants and algae, plankton, and other organisms uh, that were drifting in the water would end. This resulted in them sinking to the seafloor and mixing with the sediment there. Typically, in an ocean, the sediment, or in a small sea, uh, the sediment is typically mud because it's not flowing very fast, so the mud can settle out. The larger the particulate, the lower the flow needs to be, or I'm sorry, the smaller the particulate, the lower the flow needs to be for it to settle out. Over vast lengths of time, it would rain in the highland areas on over the land, and the land would erode to the uh, and the land would erode, slowly washing more sediment into the ocean and seas, and slowly burying the dead organisms with new sediment and new organisms. This process is very similar to the formation of coal, which I talked about in the Great Smog of London episode a few months ago. From that episode. We know that by adding layers of sediment, the system is adding pressure and heat, which changes the chemistry of the dead organisms. Again, this takes place over vast amount of, amounts of times, but eventually the basins dry up as the continents shift, and that creates sedimentary basins. The layers deep below these basins are almost entirely devoid of oxygen which causes the organic matter to slowly transform into kerogen, which is a waxy substance. 
over time, add more heat and pressure, and the kerogen transforms into hydrocarbons through the process known as catagenesis. Catagenesis. Hydrocarbons are just various chemical compounds made up of hydrogen and carbon only. Differences in heat and pressure result in different hydrocarbons forming. They can consist of as little as one carbon atom and four hydrogen atoms, which is known as methane, to 12 carbon atoms with 26 hydrogens, known as dodecane. I might have said that last one wrong, but that's how it's spelled. I'm going to pause, take a sip. Ooh. Man, you hit that wrong and it goes right up the sinuses. Um, since there are several different hydrocarbons, and since the amount of heat and pressure is under constant change, you can have lots of variation within each reserve of crude oil. Once the crude is discovered and brought to the surface via drilling or another form of liquid mining, it's then shipped off where the impurities are removed and it's then processed into various purified products such as gasoline, propane, kerosene, and others. I'm going to touch very briefly on the purification process just because I think it's pretty cool. Uh, essentially, <coughs> excuse me, essentially the crude oil is heated inside what's called a distillation tower. This tower has uh, quote-unquote trays at specific heights where the, it's set to a certain temperature at that height. Uh, because various hydrocarbons all boil at different temperatures, they can easily be separated by heating them and allowing the vapors to rise until they hit the specific, until they hit the specified temperature and will condense back into a liquid and form. They will condense back into a liquid form on the proper tray. God, I can't read. So what does this have to do with the price at the pump and OPEC? Well, for starters, none of the above drilling, mining, or processing is cheap. But the largest influencer of oil prices is OPEC. OPEC stands for the Organization of the Petroleum Exporting Countries which is an intergovernmental organization comprised of 13 countries that control an estimated 44% of global oil production and 81.5% of the world's proven oil reserves. The countries that currently make up OPEC are Algeria, Angola, Equatorial Guinea, Gabon, Iran, Iraq, Kuwait, Libya, Nigeria, Republic of Congo, Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates, and Venezuela. The largest players in OPEC in terms of their oil reserves are the Middle Eastern countries I just mentioned, the Middle Eastern countries I just mentioned, and Venezuela. Uh, OPEC was originally formed in 1960, so it is just over 60 years old, by the way. Uh, according to their own website, the mission of OPEC is to coordinate and unify the petroleum policies of its member countries and to ensure the stabilization of oil markets in order to secure an efficient 
economic and regular supply of petroleum to consumers, a steady income to producers, and a fair return on capital for those investing in the petroleum industry. Some, some other sources actually called OPEC a cartel. Because OPEC controls the majority of the world's oil reserves, 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 and they control almost half of the world's oil production, they're very easily able to influence the amount, the amount being produced. Again, our old friends supply and demand. If you're a longtime listener, you know what I'm talking about. If not, I suggest you go check out the episode about John D. Rockefeller and Standard Oil. There are positives and negatives uh, to having a group like OPEC control the majority of the world's oil supply. For one, it does promote a cooperation between the member nations, and it helps to avoid political hostilities between one another. Uh, So, for instance, Iraq's not fighting Iran and blah, blah, blah. Uh, Another positive is that the goal is to limit the oil supply hitting the market, allowing oil reserves to last longer. But... Limiting the supply of oil also creates a floor for oil prices. And that hurts us consumers in the fact that gas and oil prices will probably never get below a certain threshold again. Or at least it won't for a very long time. It's also a good method for keeping money in the pockets of OPEC. Despite the cooperation between OPEC, there are still disputes among the OPEC countries. In 2016, Saudi Arabia and Iran, who are the two largest producers in OPEC, couldn't agree on freezing whether to freeze oil production or not. The market was oversaturated with oil, and Saudi Arabia was willing to stop production, while Iran said it would not join the freeze because it needed to regain production levels after international sanctions were lifted on them. More supply tends to equate to lower prices for the consumer. When OPEC collectively tightens the hold on production and limits the supply, that's when prices go up. The invention of new technology can actually help loosen OPEC's grasp on the market by providing uh, new ways to increase the supply of petroleum. One of these methods is actually fracking. I know in the U.S. this is a very controversial topic, But it cannot be argued that the introduction of fracking helped introduce a large amount of new oil to the market that that was previously thought to be inaccessible. And this greatly increased the oil oil supply and brought oil prices down, limiting OPEC's control. As a response, OPEC continued high levels of production. So the thinking here is that If OPEC oversaturates the market, it's going to drive down the cost of oil to the point where it would cause these companies that are producing oil at higher costs, like fracking companies, to stop producing completely. So essentially, they were trying to make other forms of production unprofitable and go back to being the only game in town. Unfortunately for them, the COVID-19 pandemic hit and people stopped driving. And the market had too much supply and too little demand. So OPEC began cutting production. Helped along by changing regulation in regard to U.S. fracking, 
This and the increase in people driving again has, in part, caused the price of gas to increase recently. Several other issues uh, help are that uh, several other issues are helping to increase the cost of gas, such as ransomware attacks on the Colonial Pipeline Company, Hurricane Ida temporarily shutting down Gulf oil production, and also supply chain and labor force issues. There's no one to drive the trucks that haul the oil. So uh, one other thing that I failed to note in here about the price of oil, and this is more on a much localized area. So for instance, uh, an example from a personal example, I guess, is that uh, I live, you know, we live in just outside of Charlotte and, you know, South Carolina is just, you know, 15 miles down the road, basically from uptown Charlotte. And I know a lot of people that will go get their gas in South Carolina, um, mainly because South Carolina doesn't have a gas tax. Their, their gas is a lot cheaper because of that. I'm talking like 20, 25 up to 40, 50 cents sometimes. <coughs> and so it, sometimes it's worth going down there to get gas. The reason for that, like I said, they don't have a gasoline tax. Um, but you know, there's, there's pros and cons to that. I mean, the pros, the gas cheaper, the, the pros are that the gas is cheaper. The cons are that you can immediately tell when you enter South Carolina because the roads are quite almost literally dirt roads in some places. I mean, it's so bad. Um, here in North Carolina, we pay more for our gas, but we've got pretty damn good roads for the most part. So uh, there are places like California that tax the hell out of gas, which is in part why gas is almost $5 a gallon. It was over $5 a gallon in some places. So on a localized level, taxes also affect the price. Um, so there's been a large push to decrease our dependence on fossil fuels recently. And I want to say up front right now that I agree, we need to diversify our energy sources and we need to work towards cleaner sources. But I do want to take a moment to point out some of the hurdles that stand in the way of us eliminating fossil fuels that we as a society are going to have to overcome. Uh, I said some hurdles. I, I'm basically going to point out one big hurdle. I'm sorry. I just realized that in my notes. Um, so the first or the main issue is that petroleum is used in tons of products that most people have no idea it's even used in. Almost anything made of plastic, rubber, or nylon uses petroleum in the production process. I actually found one list that had over 6,000 day-to-day items that petroleum is used. Uh, petroleum is used in some way to produce. Um, just a couple highlights from this that I just kind of handpicked because I thought they were interesting. Um, insect repellents, cosmetics, paint, movie film, enamel, ink, furniture, coolers, soft contacts lenses, glasses, asphalt, uh, roof shingles, bandages, PVC piping, backpacks, aspirin, putty and caulk, 
medication capsules, tents, pillows, trash bags, shampoos, heart valves, hearing aids, shaving creams, garden hoses, credit cards, and tires. I don't know about you guys, but I use probably mm, 80% of the things on that list, if not more. I've used those in the last year. I, I haven't had a heart valve and no hearing aid, but or really shaving cream that much, truth be told. So, <sighs> to stop using petroleum completely, we, completely, we've got to find ways to replace... Uh, we've got to find ways to replace or new ways to produce all of those items or reduce the quality of our life. I'm hoping we get to inventing things quickly. Uh, I've said this for a long time um, and people don't like to hear it. And I might make some people upset by saying this, but the way I look at it is we have three choices as far as the... um moving away from petroleum number one we stay on petroleum and just ride it out until you know we burn through it all and just screw up the atmosphere that's choice number one i'm not necessarily advocating for that but it is an option number two is to invent new technologies you know lower the cost of solar and wind and clean energy by the way I saw my first ever windmills um, when we were driving back over the mountains and during the whiteout, and it was hard to see. And I saw these things up on a cliff. And I was like, oh, cool, there's a windmill. And then I saw the gigantic fucking windmill that was like 300 feet tall. Like the first ones I saw were, I don't know, like 25, 30 feet tall. I was like, oh, cool, a windmill, you know? And then I saw the other one that was like seven times as tall right behind it. I was like, holy shit. I didn't realize those things were that big, but I could barely see it because of the whiteout. Anyway, um, so we can either stay with what we got and destroy the atmosphere. We can invent a lot of new things that make clean energy um, viable, feasible, I guess is a better word. Or we can go back to living the way people lived before the Industrial Revolution. I'm personally hoping for choice number two. I don't want to give up the creature comforts. You know, ideally. Not unless I'm choosing to, to go live in my Montana cabin. But anyway, that's a brief look into OPEC. Um, without Megan here, it, it's just, this is going to be a weird episode. So, it I didn't get as in-depth as I possibly could because I didn't know if we were even going to record or not today. So... Apologies on that, but I hope that shed a little bit of light on why gas prices are up. Um, and I will say one thing on a personal note, and I want to be as uh, cautious as I can when I say this, I guess, but I have, we live near a pipeline <clears throat> that has recently had a spill. And through my previous role and my current role, uh, at my job, my day job, I have dealings with this company and in regard to this spill. And let me tell you, for those that are worried about the the state of our environment from, you know, potential spills and stuff like that, 
the response by these companies and the cleanup and the amount of money and time and people and effort that goes into it when a spill like that happens is enormous. It's beyond what you can think. And it's not that these companies just try to do the bare minimum. They actually do try to do above, they try to go above and beyond what they need to do. Um, so I just wanted to put that out there since I've got some experience firsthand and I know people can be a little anti corporate, uh, anti energy corporations and think that they're just out to doom the planet and the atmosphere. And I don't think it's necessarily like that. But there are, they're, they make lemons when they're, uh, lemons, they make lemonade when they're given lemons and they try to make the best damn lemonade they can. So anyway, on that note, let's go ahead and move on. If I can find my schedule and we'll jump in here. Trivia with Tyler. All right, I just put two drops of water in this uh, whiskey, so we'll see how that handles. Um, I actually left this trivia with Tyler for Megan uh, when she was supposed to record last week, so I guess I'll use it now. This is another one I have a lot of a lot of experience with personally through my job. Beavers build their dams as an instinct to stop the sounds of water leaks. If a speaker is playing just the sound, I'm sorry, if a speaker is playing just the sound of running water, a beaver will try to build a dam over it. This is even accurate over concrete where there's no visible water or if an actual leaky water source is quieter than the speaker. I've torn down many a beaver dam in my day, those little bastards, and I can tell you in North Carolina, it is illegal to trap and remove beavers. Essentially, they're viewed... I don't know if they're classified as a pest, but they're viewed as pests. And basically, the thought is you have to kill the beaver if you capture it because you can't just go dump that pest on somebody else. So make what you will of that. But I've never killed a beaver. Relax. I've just torn down the dams. It's not even their home. They're just doing it to stop the water leak for whatever reason. So I'm excited. Megan's going to miss this, but I'm excited to hit this button. We got some males, and I said males with an S. We got two males. So I'm going to take a little sip of this real quick, see what the, what the drops of water did to it. Hmm. Noticeable change there. Interesting. Okay. So we're going to jump into the first email we got here. And that is from Papa Cross. And he says, sorry for not writing sooner. Tin cup is not on the list to vote for. I have voted twice and both times it was incomplete. So maybe it's complete now. If not, add tin cup as I will have not have tasted any of them. I will pick up another bottle for you, but not sure when. 
On the way down to Denver this week, I listened to the Yakuza and that Yuri guy. My first comment was, do the Yakuza kill each other like rival gangs do in this country? Are the Yakuza leaders part of the Japanese leadership? Are they tolerated by their government? Um, I've written Papa, Papa Cross back. Um, but I'll go ahead and share a little bit I know about that. I have no idea if the Yakuza kill each other like our gangs do. I'm sure if they piss one another off, probably. Or at least cut their fingers off. I remember they cut their pinkies off. Maybe they cut their other other fingers off. Um, I don't know if they're in the Japanese leadership. I know there was a movement to eliminate all Yakuza-related businesses in the Japanese business sector. So in basically in the stock market, the stock market kicked all the Yakuza, the known Yakuza related businesses out. And I believe I remember reading that not so much the government, but society does not tolerate the Yakuza. They're, they're kind of shunned by society, which is why a lot of people wear the prosthetic pinkies that have had their pinky cut off. Um, there was a time where they weren't, um, but it's kind of been back and forth. Originally they were shunned by society. They kind of came into their own in society where they were accepted. And now they're kind of being shunned again from what I remember. Back to Papa Cross's message. Now on to Yuri's speech. I can see so many comparisons between what was happening then and now the group names have changed, but the message is clearly the same. The enemy is trying to take us down. They are ingrained in so many platforms that we can't get the truth from any of them. Our towns and our cities are set up to discriminate by ethnic and financial separations. We are not equal and will never be, or and never will be. Discrimination should not be based on race, and we have made great strides to that extent. We also have a long way to go. Great story. Amazing how things change, but still stay the, still stay the same. I agree completely. Um, it's, it, it just, it, it blew my mind how I can see similar things happening today. Um, especially specifically the bit about confusing people, uh, so that they can't visibly tell the truth, you know, even when it's presented right to their face. Um, I mean, just look at the COVID vaccine, whether you're for it or against it. Who knows what it actually does? What's actually truth? Look at where we're at as a society. On that note, <clears throat> we're going to move on. Our next uh, email comes from friend Morgan. And <laughs> she says, hey, guys, I enjoyed the Krampus episode. I can always get behind terrorizing little kids during the holidays. Ha huh? me too. I thought I'd bring some. Whoa, excuse me. I hope that didn't come through, <laughs> come through the microphone. <laughs> that burp snuck up on me. Uh, I can always get behind terrorizing the little kids during the holidays. I uh, thought I'd bring some cheers and good vibes to Megan's solo hosting episode tonight. You'll do great holding down the whiskey fort. Also hoping Tyler has a fantastic time on the West Coast. Cheers, friend Morgan. Well, friend Morgan, it looks like your uh, good vibes came to me. Instead of Megan. So I feel like I'm doing all right after I stopped rambling about my vacation, but I was trying to fill time somehow. Truth be told. Um, 
So those are our two messages. Thank you guys for emailing us. Anybody else out there listening, please give us an email and we would love to have it on here. If you don't want to be on the show, just include it in the email. We won't read it, but I'm usually pretty good about replying provided I'm not on vacation. Sorry, Morgan, I would have, would have replied. Um, but thank you for uh, wishing me a good time on vacation. I did. I had a blast and I'm, I can't wait to go back. Truth be told, I really, really, really want to go. I don't want to live there though. Too many, too many taxes, but that's, that's a conversation for another day. At this point, let's go ahead and talk about this whiskey. Final thoughts. All right. Hopefully you didn't hear me blow my nose in the middle of that. Um, uh, I'm going to taste one last time before I speak my mind on it. All right. Um, I don't know how I feel about this one. There were some times where it was really opening up my sinuses. There were some times where it went down smooth as could be. Uh, I think typically it opened my sinuses up when I accidentally kind of shot it back just because since it's only me, um, and I have to basically pause every time I want to take a sip. I'm kind of drinking a little faster than I would normally. Um, with that being said, though, the water changed it drastically. Uh, it definitely knocked it back a little bit as far as that minty, spicy flavor. Um, it knocked it back to more of a manageable, more more of the range I like. Um this is a hundred proof just for those, excuse me, those that are, oh Lord, excuse me, give me the whiskey burps that are concerned. It's a hundred proof. Um, I, I gotta say, I like it better with the water, obviously. So this might be something, <clears throat> excuse me, coughs trying to come up. This might be something that I'm drinking with stones or, you know, maybe a, maybe nice ball or in the, uh, in our booby glasses. So, uh, without further ado, I'm going to give this one. Hmm. Usually I have my number before now, but I, it, this one's, this one's puzzling. Um, my gut is telling me a six. That's what my gut says. I would definitely, be proud to pull this one out of my uh, cabinet. I would definitely pull it out just for me. I would pull it out for some friends to share. I would not want to mix this. Definitely, definitely don't mix this. This one's this one's really good on its own. Um, I think what I I think what puts it over the top for me is the complexity amongst the flavors. It's it's a very everything. That stand that, that all the flavors that I've named off, or it's not something where I'm having to look for these flavors. They stand out very easily, so I think that to me is what puts it over the top. It's it's good flavor and it's there, right right on the front of the tongue, right on the you you can just find them right away. So 
I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Um, so I'm going to go with a six on that. Hopefully we can get Megan's, Megan's rating of it next week. Um, I want to, want to, uh, let you guys know again, hopefully we're, we will be on next week one way or the other. Um, ideally Megan's going to be here and we're going to do our, uh, blind taste testing and our whiskeys of the year. Um, which by the way, I need to actually figure out my two, two whiskeys. Um, on that note, guys, I guess I'm going to wrap it up today. I tried to get this as close to a regular episode as possible time-wise, so I apologize if I've droned on a little bit here and there. Um, please give me feedback. Send me an email. Tell me how terrible it sounds. Um, I guess other than that, I just want to tell everybody, uh, hope you have a lovely Christmas if you celebrate that. If not, I hope you have a lovely little bit of time off of work. I imagine you probably still get the time off. Um, on behalf of Megan, same, you know, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Holidays. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. Don't drink and drive. <laughs>